Mind control, drugging, blackmail, and celebrity glitches. The U.S. government will do whatever it takes to protect its citizens. But what happens when it goes too far? One journalist blew the lid on this decades-long story of government-sanctioned torture. But did it ever really end? This week's episode is MK Ultra. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I stopped at the Walgreens on my way home because I needed to get some milk and Cheetos. Mm-hmm. You know, the necessities for the week. Cheetos might be my favorite chip. Is These it are, a chip? Ooh. Oh, God. All right. We're I mean, gonna, they're we're on the chip aisle. Talk about MKUltra. We have to discuss whether <laughs> Cheetos are a chip. I got the the Simply White Cheddar Puff Cheetos, which... Buff, Ooh, I've been seeing those. Highly they recommend. They okay. sort of dissolve in your mouth, but they're good. Anyhow, yeah. at the checkout stand, I saw two magazines. I just want to pat myself on the back for the self-control. First, I saw People Magazine, exclusive interview with the BTK killer's daughter raised by a serial yeah, killer. she's been in the news lately. I should have bought it, and I didn't feel like an oh, idiot. Oh, you didn't? No. And then Man. I saw... The National Enquirer, which you guys, political stuff aside, Barry, I love the National Enquirer. Do you think it's legit? No, absolutely not. It's garbage. (laughs) That's why I love it. This week says Scott Peterson murdered two other women, but more importantly, Jennifer Gardner recruited by Hollywood cult. Whoa. Which one? Nexium? I I didn't buy it. Oh, my God. (laughs) I am going back to Walgreens tomorrow. Right by our house. And and getting both of these. I know. I'm a sucker for the checkout line magazine. I know. And those both would have come home with me. On on stands now. I should have gotten them. I feel like such a goon. Well, the good news is it's it's forever. Now that it's been printed. That's true. It's not. That's how you know it's true. <laughs> yeah, I've seen printed. that the BTK killers' um, daughters had a lot of stuff in the news lately. I don't. Is the anniversary coming up? I wasn't. I'm sure. not sure. She's been pretty vocal. It's pretty horrifying that whole thing. We'll have to do an episode on BTK. Oh, one hundred. That'll be like a two or three parter. Yeah. That's a tough case. Ew. Yes, it was. But it always makes you realize they were. They had families. In addition to all the horrific things they did, they also Just were like fathers and husbands State. and sons. And yeah, and you you tend to forget about that stuff. And uh, what, what was Dennis Rader's job? He was like the control guy. He would go around and tell you if your grass was too long. Yeah. He was that guy, that annoying asshole. Yes, yes, yes. He did not look like your typical serial Code killer. enforcement. That's what he did. Yes. Well, Ted he, Bundy's that... Netflix special is out too. I think it's a series. Actually. Well, I haven't watched that, but I will say the BTK thing that I watched on Netflix way long ago. It's not on there anymore. Gave me nightmares, and you know what else gave me nightmares? Wormwood, which I watched all of in a very quick span of time. And did worm- you speed it up? No, I can't. Thirty-two. <laughs> I had to watch it at the regular speed, and then I had nightmares that I was falling down out of buildings. I had nightmares wow. that I was uh, hallucinating. Which how how even are you hallucinating a nightmare? A dream is a hallucination, essentially. So well, you were real, that was a real meta dream. Wormwood incepted me. Oh God! I have a lawsuit against Netflix. Just I haven't kidding. watched it yet, but after you're telling me about it, I'm and after just all this 
insane research I've been doing. I'm definitely going to check it out. I don't think you would like it because it's partially acted, partially documentary. I do not like those types of documentaries. Pick one or the other. Pick a fucking lane. Well, and I was going to say there's times where the main subject of the story is being interviewed and they'll say a line and then they repeat the line and again and again and again. And it's like, come on. Yeah. It seems. And Peter Skarsgård is a very good actor. And is hot. Oh, yeah. Hot. 10 out of 10. It seems as if they really blew their budget on we're going to get somebody hella legit like Peter Skarsgård. They get Bob Balaban to play a psychologist who I high-fived at South by Southwest last year. He's in all the Wes Anderson movies. You'll know. If you saw Bob Balaban's face, you'd be like, oh, that guy. Yeah. I don't – I can't think of what he looks like just by that Squirrely little guy, round glasses all the time, ball-headed. Beard. But I've seen almost every West. You know him if you saw him. Anyhow, he's in Wormwood. Wormwood is the story of a CIA agent that was at the the crux of MKUltra, Mm -hmm. which is our topic today. Yes. We are going to be talking all about MKUltra. I am Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into this. In 1953, as the Korean War was coming to an end, paranoia amongst the CIA was at an all-time high. The New York Times had recently published a story claiming that American POWs returning from the war may have been brainwashed by their captors and converted to communism. Fearful that agents working for the Soviets, Chinese, and North Koreans were developing mind control techniques, Alan Dulles, director of the CIA at the time, approved MKUltra, a top-secret operation for, quote, Covert use of biological and chemical materials. Now, Alan Dulles, if you've listened to our JFK episodes, mm-hmm. was around and def- he's seen a lot. Definitely, maybe, if you believe the conspiracies slash truth, had a hand in the JFK assassination. Yes. yes. This was a time when the CIA started to run amok. It decided that it was its own independent branch of the government almost and that it had no one to answer to. And there was almost no oversight. And no, were, they, it was a very loosely run organization. Well, I mean, there was no checks and balances. No, no, no. not at all. They, we will see some of these projects just got real wild. It Time was like and a again. frat house up in there. Time and again. The project's intentionally obscure CIA kryptonin was made up of the digraph MK, meaning that the project was sponsored by the agency's technical services staff followed by the word ultra, which had previously been used to designate the most secret classification of World War II intelligence. Well, and also at the time, which we cannot do a whole other episode on Project Paperclip, which is where German scientists who were arguably on the cutting edge of discoveries because they had no ethical bounds in what they were doing, like SS scientists, were offered immunity to come to the U.S., stay in Germany, go to the Soviet Union, and go to some other countries, and then work basically as government scientists to develop war products. And some things came out of that in the U.S., and then a lot of people think that part of their research and finding was the base for MKUltra. God, how do you sleep at night? As the German scientist yes. or as the U.S. person Any who's of like, these things. We're, hey, yeah, you want to you wanna get out of jail free card? That's crazy to me. I mean, what, you have to honestly be a sociopath what, where you just don't have any kind of empathy. Like a conscience? Yes. My question to you, though, Christy, what is the price of safety? 
If you knew as the director of the CIA that this guy was a monster and he did experiments on children and the invalid and the elderly, but the experiments that he did could lead to you protecting national security, would you execute him? Would you hire him as a scientist? This is why I don't work for the government because (laughs) I can't make these types of decisions. It's true. I mean, it's hard. What's crazy is here's the, here's the answer. You shoot him in the face. Yeah, they they're <laughs> they're saying kids, shoot him in the we're face. doing these experiments to protect the the American Citizen. people. They're performing these experiments on the American people. The exact people they claim they're trying to protect. They ruin their fucking lives because they're dosing them up with crazy drugs. All right, we're getting a little far ahead of ourselves. Oh my god. Well, the goal of MK Ultra was to learn how to control and reprogram people's minds, and as some believe, to create a Manchurian Candidate. So, a Manchurian Candidate. A book was published in the fifties called The Manchurian Candidate, and in this book. An American soldier is programmed with drugs by the government to essentially become an assassin for them. And it led to, could this really be done? And is I thought the Manchurian Candidate was Denzel Washington. The, the, the later that was a movie, <laughs> yes. Maybe he is a Manchurian Candidate. You know what? He's uh-huh. an assassin with that ass. Just kidding. Whoa! No, but seriously, I think Denzel Washington's very hot. Oh, my God. He's super hot. Sidney Gottlieb, the CIA agency chemist and poison expert at the time. First of all, give me that title. Right. Poison expert. (laughs) Believed lysergic acid dithalamide, more commonly referred to as LSD or acid, could be used to brainwash and psychologically torture the enemy. Damn. You know how LSD is used to torture people? Is you give it to a soldier and they're like, hey, man, you want to listen to fish? <laughs> and then the <laughs> and people then are like, kill 16 hours no. later, everyone's dead. Yeah. No, no. LSD was first synthesized at a lab in Switzerland in 1938. In the late 1940s, the CIA received reports that the Soviet Union had engaged in, quote, intensive efforts to produce LSD. They were just trying to party. Mm-hmm. And that the Soviets had attempted to purchase the world's supply of the chemical. Terrified that the KGB was going to use LSD against the U.S. for purposes of mind control, the CIA authorized the purchase of 10 kilograms of pure LSD-25 from the Sandoz Laboratory in Switzerland, enough to dose half the population of the United States. They're going to throw one big party. One motherfucking party. It's a big rager. They're going to have electric dance music. I went to three colleges, but saw nothing that would equate (laughs) to this party. You know how you know I don't do drugs? Because I said they'll play electric dance party music. (laughs) They'll give you the drug medicine and do dance party I like that you said, screw the acronym. I'm saying the full (laughs) what EDM stands for. That's right. I thought EDM was when your wiener didn't work. That is erectile erectile dysfunction. (laughs) So EDM. Whoa, and you also have what is the 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 band ELO? Oh, that's ELO, (laughs) Electric Light Orchestra. We could do this for hours. Yeah, yeah. From 1953 to 1964, at universities, hospitals, and prisons in the U.S. and Canada, more than 150 human subjects were subjected to heinous mind control experiments where they would be given controlled doses of LSD-25. This is how LSD was first introduced into the United States. The CIA 
brought LSD to the United States. Is that not insane? It makes sense because later the government brought crack to impoverished communities and exactly. destroyed them on purpose. God, man. So not I've surprising. I've never been a fan of the government, but I'm really anti-government after all this research. You know what? It's hard for me because I feel like that at the end of the day, our democracy is a beautiful thing and I love our government and I love it so much and I hate so badly the people that take advantage of it. And all too often, the people that take advantage are the people in power. Well, yeah, that's yeah. why we need good leaders like Barack Obama, mm. who loves everyone. Please come back. Takes care of us all. Is it po- he can't come back? But could we pass a bill, or maybe just start a GoFundMe that says Barack can run another term? I think we should just put a fake mustache and some glasses on him. <laughs> that's a good call too. <laughs> just give him a fake name. Mm-hmm. He can do a little funny little accent. Oh, he'd be good at that. He's got a good sense of he's humor. He's very funny and handsome. Oh, he's also so hot in the beginning the experiments with the drugs were fairly simple if not highly unethical subjects would be administered a dose of lsd and their behavior would be monitored and documented some of the subjects volunteered for the studies some were coerced into participating and others were completely unaware they were being drugged by the cia according to one cia agent they specifically targeted mental patients prisoners drug addicts and sex workers or quote people who could not fight back they did it on purpose so that, Fuck that. <laughs> they really did because if you have a prostitute or a mental patient or a drug addict go to the cops and say a man in a suit came and oh, took yeah. me to a hotel room and gave me drugs and he took videos of me and he shocked me the policeman will say all right buddy you're high get out of here they're not a reliable witness no. all their credibility has already been destroyed so why not just ruin their lives even more well and i think that's why a lot of you see serial killers and other perpetuators of violence choose these victims who maybe don't have the most like the cleveland strangler oh, exactly yeah. he p- picked women that their statements wouldn't be believed and they're not going to be missed that is true in addition to being drugged with acid the cia also used their human guinea pigs to test the effects of mdma mescaline heroin barbiturates methamphetamines and psilocybin more commonly known as magic mushrooms subjects were also forced to endure behavior modification via electroshock therapy hypnosis polygraphs and radiation so the cia was basically hunter s thompson yeah yes. <laughs> walking around with a suitcase of drugs my given God. although i don't know that well i bet hunter s thompson was pretty generous he probably gave his drugs out oh yeah, yeah. he was also a nutcase i'm a big hunter s thompson oh he's fan. fantastic or was fantastic uh r.i.p you can't do that many drugs without lasting effects losing it at some point yeah. i do this is an aside, an unnecessary aside, but I will say I think that there's a lot of young men who think to become writers or comedians yeah. or authors or Artists screenwriters. They're like, I have to do all these drugs mm-hmm. or I have to drink so I can be brilliant. And it's like, no, if you're brilliant, you're brilliant. Hunter yes. S. Thompson was brilliant, sober or high. Yeah. And I think that they feel like a tortured artist is somehow more credible or sexy when really – you're just damaging your liver. Gonna, well, there's a really good Stephen you're King. You're going to age real quickly. Stephen King writes in, in writing, he says the the belief that mind-altering substances are a pathway to creativity is like one of the great pop culture myths of our time. Mm-hmm. And, and he should know he was a huge cokehead <laughs> and alcoholic. He's better now, though. While MKUltra was the umbrella operation, there were many sub-projects within it that were just as horrific. In fact, before Project MKUltra, there was Project Bluebird 
and Project Artichoke. So Who these, names these? I know. I wonder if they... What is... What? I mean, MK Ultra. we explained how... But where are Bluebird and Artichoke coming I don't, from? I'm not sure about Bluebird. I would postulate, and I have nothing to back this up, but you know, like Artichoke, you peel away the leaves, and maybe it's like the human okay. brain, you're trying to peel it away. Oh, that's an interesting I'm not really sure about Bluebird, theory. but yeah, that's kind of how these things started, is they would have an initial idea, and then come upon something, and then it would spawn a sub-project, or they would have one hypothesis and then test it in multiple ways and then one thing would lead to another. Maybe they just asked their five-year-olds, what do you want to name this? <laughs> I learned. Artichoke. Well, Project Bluebird was considered the CIA's first mind control program and ran under the direction of Dr. Charles Savage of the Naval Medical Research Institution in Bethesda, Maryland from 1947 to 1953. The goal of the operation was to learn how to condition subjects to withstand information from being extracted from them while being tortured, develop interrogation methods to exert control, develop memory enhancement techniques, and establish ways to prevent hostile control of agency personnel. So it's a good, lofty goal. Yeah, very lofty. However, when you put, like doctor, you put Dr. Savage in charge, suddenly everyone was getting drugged and zapped. Well, with a name like that, he's got to live up to it. Project Artichoke. In 1951, Project Bluebird was renamed Project Artichoke. According to a 1954 memo, the goal of Project Artichoke was to find out, quote, can an individual be made to perform an act of attempted assassination involuntarily? Under the influence of artichoke, <laughs> so which just makes it sound like, like eating we're artichokes. giving them, feeding them artichokes, and then they're going to go kill a political leader. This subject will be given an artichoke <laughs> with mayonnaise dip, and this one will be given one without mayonnaise dip, and we'll Ooh. see, given the circumstances, what they'll choose. Real Always talk, though, if you take an artichoke dip. and put a bunch of garlic and butter inside of it, and then wrap it in foil and put it on the grill, get out of town. Or in the oven. It's real, real good. When we were kids, we used to dip artichoke leaves in mayonnaise sauce. Ooh. I feel like it was lemon juice and mayonnaise and you whipped it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you cook it? Yeah, the artichoke is steamed, I think. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Anyway, can you can it cause an assassination? Who's to know? I don't know. The CIA will test it. Well, Project Artichoke eventually evolved into Project MKUltra, with several sub-projects under its umbrella. Subproject 68... This is this is horrible. This one really affects me. At a Montreal hospital at McGill University, fully funded by the CIA, Dr. Ewan Cameron was paid $69,000, nice, the equivalent of $600,000 in today's money, to conduct experiments to determine whether he could erase and reprogram the human mind. Unaware of the type of hospital they were entering, Patients would arrive with simple anxiety and leave with amnesia or the inability to talk. Again, it's targeting these people who just want help or who need help or somebody that is an easy target who's coming into a hospital that has a problem. But also, this could be me. Yeah. I have, I don't just have simple anxiety. I have generalized anxiety disorder and depression. If I went to a hospital seeking help and the following happened to me. You have one life, and they are completely taking it from you. Pretty much. It, it, it really massively, massively impacted these people. Linda McDonald came into the hospital complaining of depression and anxiety with body aches. This is something that could happen to a lot of people that we know. 
Dr. Cameron diagnosed her with schizophrenia and put her in a medically induced coma they referred to as the sleeper. This is, can you imagine? No. It's I, just completely honestly, taking advantage of your role as a medical provider. They're not seeing these people as humans. They're seeing them as lab rats. I went to the doctor today because my I broke my wrist falling off of a motorcycle. And the guy looked at me and said, if, if he would have told me I needed surgery... I probably would have said, okay. Mm -hmm. And if you would have told me I need a shot, he's like, your cast is fine. Leave it on. But it's because they're medical providers. We talked about this on the last episode. You're in someone's hands. Yes. And they went to school for this. They're experts in their field. So you automatically trust them. But it turns out you can't always. No. Linda was asleep for 86 days straight. Three months. During which she was subjected to electroshock therapy sessions that completely wiped her brain, erased her memory, and reverted her back to the abilities of an infant. So I think what it was, was the shock tries to wake you up. Your body tries to wake up, but the medicine's keeping you asleep. So it's these electromagnetic or the electro impulses in your brain that it's starting to get your wires crossed. Yes. If I'm, if I may speak and scientifically. And they're doing this intentionally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They were doing it to see happens. how far, how exactly. far they could go. When she was finally released from the hospital, she was basically a vegetable. She had to relearn how to use the toilet, write, talk, and had to be reintroduced to her family as she no longer recognized any of them. She had five kids and a husband. Yeah, and I saw an interview with her, and she basically said, I, I had to wear diapers. I had no idea where I was, who I was, nothing. And so now she has five kids. Her husband basically has six kids to take care of. She alone. has recovered a lot, but I'm sure she still has PTSD. There's lasting effects. Yes, absolutely. Another patient, Robert Loki, was given LSD every two days and then forced to listen to recordings of terribly negative things about himself, such as you're worthless and you're ugly. They said it was these long recordings that then got chopped up. So it was almost subconscious. So it wasn't just a voice going, you're ugly, you're ugly, you're ugly. It would just be like, you're worthless. And there was these just subliminal messages. Yeah, kind of like subliminal messaging, but it was like chopped up too. So it was psychedelic sounding and really traumatic and upsetting to listen to. Doctors then put him in a medically induced coma for 23 days straight. And played one simple message to him on repeat. You killed your mother. Fuck. Over and, and he, by the way, didn't kill his mother. No. He did not. He, he came in because he had anxiety and they put and him in a coma. Does he ever have it now? Oh my yeah. God. It's, they, I mean, they treated these people like simple lab rats. Mm-hmm. I also wonder how the families were feeling during this. If I was Linda's husband and she goes into this hospital for depression and anxiety and she's in a coma for three months. I'm wondering what the fuck is going on. I'm calling some kind of authority to come down there and see what's going on. But if the CIA is funding this hospital, who are the authorities? That's a good point. What, was- do, what do you do? I mean, they you, you don't know that's what's going on, but they can intervene at any time if police or something tries to get involved. Well, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why they put these people in comas, because if they come in with something that some sort of a mental disorder, mm-hmm. then and, and he tells Linda's husband, oh, your wife has schizophrenia. So we had to put her in a coma because she totally had a mental break. Yeah. The husband wouldn't be able to say, honey, are you OK? Right. Because she's in a coma. Mm-hmm. All you do is sit there and hope that she wakes up. God, that is horrifying horrifying while victims of the hospital were eventually awarded a settlement by both the u.s and canadian governments 
no amount of money can ever replace the memories and abilities they lost or the trauma they still suffer. All funded by the CIA. So insane. There was another subproject called Subproject 54. The goal of this one was to be able to cause concussions to someone without physically touching them. To try and achieve this, the CIA decided they would use suboral frequency blast. Allegedly, this operation was shut down before tested on human subjects. However, Dr. Gerscheichter, a scientist for the CIA, testified at a 1977 hearing that they conducted a study where lab animals were rocked back and forth so violently it caused them to suffer concussions. They also had an orangutan study where they would shoot oh, radar God. signals to them that would cause the animals to basically go unconscious. But they went to such a deep unconscious state that the heat regulators in their body would malfunction. And basically your body is rising your temperature to keep your organs warm and keep your blood flowing. But you have a regulator in you that mm -hmm. says, okay, this is too hot. It'll stop at 98.6. Well, it would break the heating regulator in their brains and basically would cook them from the inside. Again, how do these people sleep at night? Because what they're doing is they're going to shoot the animal with the radar impulse and then sit there and take its temperature until it dies. It's That's, horrifying. I, I, testing on animals is horrific testing on humans is also horrific somehow the animal stuff gets me more <laughs> i mean it, i mean and there's no logic for that other than animals are pure innocent beings they can't consent they no. can't say no you know i mean humans is bad enough are so sweet too oh just my gosh hug you yes well this one's a little less sad well still still crazy but at least it doesn't involve it doesn't involve apes it's, it's, yeah. burning to death. Operation Midnight Climax, first of all. Sweet kudos name. to this name. Well, yeah. also, Somebody that knew what they were doing. They kind of gave song. it away, too. Yeah. What are you guys doing? Sex stuff? Nope. 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 Midnight <laughs> Climax is about daytime church services. It's like, <laughs> you're fucking. In 1955, in San Francisco, George White, an agent with the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, was brought on board by the CIA to head up Operation Midnight Climax. Hell yeah. Unsuspecting Johns were lured into a bedroom located in a CIA safe house, adorned with pictures of French can-can dancers, lush red curtains, and other decor that evoked sex and glamour. Once in the room, prostitutes would slip LSD into their client's drink, while on the other side of a two-way mirror, White and other agents watched and waited for the festivities to begin. They decorated it like a Baz Luhrmann movie to get everybody all <laughs> horned up. And then they drugged their bourbon with drops of LSD. Yes. And it's not funny because these men were being drugged. Absolutely. It's insane that, again, this is our government. That's somebody's job. Nine to five CIA guy. Well, probably 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. CIA, right. CIA guy. But that's his job is he puts a suit on and he goes to a hotel and he finds these prostitutes. And they the research I did said that they paid the prostitutes an exorbitant amount of money. So And the prostitutes, A, either have to have sex with a guy, which they were going to anyway, or dose the guy with LSD and don't actually have to have sex with them. So that's even better. They right. get to basically lure a person and make money. And they were paid so much of the U.S. taxpayer dollars yes. that they never reported it. They never said anything. And White also told them, hey, any kind of legal problems you get into because you are a prostitute? Let us know. Let me know. I'll take care of it. So they had a pretty sweet gig. Yeah. 
Why wouldn't you say yes if you were exactly. a sex worker? I mean, that's this is a pretty sweet deal. Mm-hmm. While sipping martinis, White would listen in on the conversations via bugging devices that had been installed in the room and take notes on the men's behavior, all while sitting on a portable toilet so he didn't have to miss a thing. That's what the Aerosmith song's about. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote about Operation Midnight Climax. <laughs> the agents involved in Operation Midnight Climax were not really monitored, and it soon became a sinful party-like atmosphere. Well, yeah, everyone's getting drunk, yes. and there's hot girls I everywhere. I mean, it's a brothel, essentially, where they're just getting paid to watch good-looking women have sex with men. They're watching live sex shows. Yes. At work. At work. Drunk. Yes, this is their job. He's drunk at work, taking a dump, watching sex. <laughs> yeah. Does he have the uh, best? Drunk, drunk and on a ton of drugs. Does he, he have said. the best job in the world? Maybe. <laughs> right. I, I, definitely. Arguable. Not the most ethical job. He's no. definitely a sack of shit that he's drugging people without their consent. Mm-hmm. But you do get to drink and sit on the toilet, which is two of my favorite things. And the neighbors around this safe house said they were constantly calling the cops because there were men in suits with guns running around all the time chasing half-naked women and white said yeah things got real out of control it's like a national lampoon yes we're all drugged out of our mind he said it was impossible to make any kind of logical or rational decision on all these drugs it's the ultimate frat party yeah shenanigans Eventually, the interest of the CIA became less about the drugs and more about the sex. I mean, of course, I mean, we all saw that coming. They wanted to know how they could best use prostitutes to their advantage, how they could be trained, and how they would handle state secrets. They even went as far as to analyze when in the course of a sexual encounter, information could best be extracted from a source. Wait, 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 wait. You needed a study to tell you this? (laughs) Just ask any woman. (laughs) The results showed that it was immediately after sex. <gasps> Gasp. Well, what? we're all shocked. What? Yeah, of course. That's a classic time to ask for anything you yes, want. Exactly. It is really interesting, though, that this is probably how the CIA started thinking, oh, you know what? Escorts would be good for politicians and other types of sting operations we're secrets. running. Secrets. We can use sex to our advantage. That's, that's what women have been doing forever, buddy. Right? Oftentimes, military personnel would be tricked or coerced into participating in these studies. In 1958, career soldier James Stanley was given LSD along with 1,000 other military volunteers. I say that because they did not know what they were volunteering for. Oh, they said, do you want to be part of a study? And you said, yeah. And then they lock you in a basement at Stanford University and don't let you out. Yes, exactly. The men suffered hallucinations, memory loss, incoherence, and severe personality changes. God. Stanley also exhibited uncontrollable violence. This is not just acid they're giving these guys. This is the purest form of acid. All of the people that went on later to do, you know, drugs just recreationally have all said, no matter how many drugs I did, Nothing compared to what the government gave me. I mean, they had the best shit the money pure, could buy. The Swedish LSD. Yes. The, the best thing you could get. The drugs given to Stanley by the CIA destroyed his ability to work and his relationships with his family. 
He never even knew he had been drugged until years later when the army asked him to participate in a follow-up study, which is pretty ballsy. That's horrifying to say. Do you remember that time we drugged you a few years back? Wait, what? I got drugged? Oh, you mean the time where I was hallucinating and trying to rip my own eyes out and blood was coming out of the walls that time? Sure. Love to follow up. My God. Stanley ended up suing under the Federal Tort Claims Act, and in 1987, his case, United States v. Stanley, reached the Supreme Court. With a vote of 5-4, to four, his case was dismissed, ruling his injuries occurred during military service. Okay, well, back in the day when there was kings, so, you know, back in the day in the 1600s, you had sovereign immunity, right? So you couldn't bring claims against the king that carried over when the U.S., won its independence over the uk sorry to our uk listeners (laughs) (laughs) one for the u.s and that one Mm -hmm. and the federal tort claims act changed that so it was a law that was passed to allow the u.s citizens to sue the government in certain limited circumstances uh, for injuries that they get while government employees are acting within the scope of their employment now for instance the stanley fellow theoretically would have a claim, right? Because government employees acting within the scope of their employment drugged him against his will and injured him, mm-hmm. right? It caused lasting. It's classic negligence, you right? Think. However, there was a case that was decided that's called the, it's 1950. It's called Ferrer v. U.S., F-E-R-E-S, if you're a legal nerd and want to look it up. The Ferrer Doctrine limits the application of the Federal Tort Claims Act In cases against the military, if that makes sense. So while normally you can sue the U.S. government for injuries, you can't sue the military for the same injuries. It narrows the scope of the Federal Tort Claims Act as it applies. And gives them an out. To the U.S. military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it basically knocks a couple things off the list on what you can sue about. So are they saying, we can't give you anything in this case because you're a military employee and... These injuries were suffered under the military, even though it wasn't like he was injured in a war or a normal military type injury. He was drugged by the military. They're essentially saying, yeah, but you signed up for the military. So if that's what they decide to do to you, you're going to have to live with it. This is where you get into a sticky situation with the Supreme Court because they have the doctrine of stare decisis, which says that you have to follow the cases that came before you in interpreting laws. And in the Ferrer case in 1950, they interpreted the Federal Tort Claims Act as to only apply. The Federal Tort Claims Act was initially passed after a 1943 airplane accident where a government airplane injured all these people. And when it crashed, I think it crashed into a building, if I'm not mistaken. Anyhow, it was sat on the books for a long time and Congress finally passed it and made it retroactive back to this 1943 plane crash so the families can get paid. But it wasn't really intended to cover military service people. But the Ferrer case then applied it to the military, but the Supreme Court limited it the scope of application of the Federal Tort Claims Act in the military case to a certain limited number of circumstances. So unfortunately for Mr. Stanley, he was... A little out of luck. They did settle. I mean, eventually, usually the government pays out. Yes. Justices Thurgood Marshall, William Brennan, and Sandra Day O'Connor. Shout out. Yep. Wrote dissenting opinions, saying the Nuremberg Code applies to soldiers as well as civilians. The Nuremberg Code is a set of 10 research ethics and principles for human experimentation that came about as a result of war crimes committed during World War II. They state... Required is the voluntary, well-informed, understanding consent of the human subject in a full legal capacity. 
The experiment should aim at positive results for society that cannot be procured in some other way. It should be based on previous knowledge, e.g. an expectation derived from animal experiments, that justifies the experiment. The experiment should be set up in a way that avoids unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injuries, except in experiments where the experimental physicians also serve as subjects. It should not be conducted when there is any reason to believe that it implies a risk of death or disabling injury. The risk of the experiment should be in proportion to, that is, not exceed, the expected humanitarian benefits. That's very interesting. Well, I mean, it makes sense, I think. Yes, yes. Preparations and facilities must be provided that adequately protect the subjects against the experiment's risks. The staff who conduct or take part in the experiment must be fully trained and scientifically qualified. That seems well, like I, a bare I, minimum. I don't know why we had to point that out. That seems like a given. The human subjects must be free to immediately quit the experiment at any point when they feel physically or mentally unstable to go on. Well, what if you're in a coma? That's a good point. Likewise, the medical staff must stop the experiment at any point when they observe that continuation would be dangerous. Well, again, is that really going to happen? All of these are good in theory. It just takes somebody actually following them, I believe. Well, and I don't, this isn't a law. Right. It's regulation in certain U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, it's, It's part of their regulation on how they act and behave. But I think that justices were just pointing out that this was a very flawed experiment. Yes. And frankly, I just actually listened to the last podcast on the left, uh, two episodes about Joseph Mengele in mm. World War II, which is oh, he just is horrifying. Definition of a monster. They do a great job covering it. But these rules right here are just Joseph Mengele did exactly the opposite mm-hmm. of all of these things. All of these things. And you wonder whenever you, you know, we beat the Nazis. We did so great. Yay, World War II. What happens when you turn around and start doing not necessarily the same because Joseph Mengele was outright physically just brutally torturing people, but nevertheless torturing people. And and to some of the extent to death. They learned some stuff from, Project, the, uh, from the Nazis. Project and, Paperclip. And applied it to our own people. At 100%. In 1996, Stanley was awarded $400,000 in compensation, but never received an apology from the government. Well, as a lawyer, I will say, if you don't lose a lawsuit, do not apologize, because apologizing implies implies that you did something wrong. Yes. The CIA even went as far as secretly drugging their own. Arguably, the most publicized victim of MKUltra was Frank Olson. In 1953... Olson, a scientist who worked for the CIA, was at a CIA retreat when he drank a cocktail that, unbeknownst to him, had been spiked with LSD. Frank soon fell into a deep depression and decided to go to New York in search of a doctor that could help him. That his wife said that he just absolutely turned to shut down after that retreat. He was quiet. He did, he said he felt guilty about work. He felt like he was worthless. That his contributions were stupid. That he was being laughed at. That it was just a total personality shift. That's very sad. He wouldn't talk to her. He just would sit silently, and she'd say, "Honey, is everything okay?" And he just would shake his head. He was just shut down. His brain was fried. Several days later, on November twenty eighth, nineteen fifty three. Olson was staying at a hotel in New York City when he allegedly committed suicide 
by jumping through the closed window of his room on the 13th floor. I will say they used the phrase over and over and over in Wormwood, fell or jumped, that the CIA came to Frank Olson's home, told his widow and children, your dad fell or jumped from a window. And his son talks about how his whole life, up until they finally figured out what happened, his whole life that that would echo in his head, that the phrase fell or jumped. Because he said fell, you think, oh, man, I wonder what he was doing next to that window or jumped. It has a huge jumped implication. intentional. Yeah, to be tacked on to the side like that. Frank's family was devastated and completely unaware that he had been drugged until things surfaced in 1975. They were awarded a $750,000 settlement and a personal apology from President Gerald Ford and William Colby, the CIA director at the time of Frank's death. This is all due to a really phenomenal journalist who dug and dug and dug yes. until he found the records that showed that they had been drugging people. And it said in the newspaper, which is all in Wormwood and it's fantastic. It's weird. It will give you nightmares <laughs> if you watch it all very quickly like I did. But they talk about that in the newspapers it said CIA conducts experimentation that results in a scientist's death from leaping from a hotel is what it said in the paper. And Frank's kid, his son, was in college at the time, said that his brother called him and said, go and grab a copy of the Washington Post and read it. And they both just knew, even though it didn't say mm. scientist Frank Olson, they just said they felt like they knew it had to be their dad. Yeah. And when they called, they called the, his boss and the boss wouldn't answer. And they were getting a lot of really obscure obfuscation techniques from mm -hmm. the CIA saying, well, it's not, you know, we can't really comment or we're not really sure. or we're, we're sticking with our story. And then finally, when they went public with with it they testified and they they spoke on camera about it they sued the government then that's whenever gerald ford said i'm gonna get involved he got his vice president then to create this commission the commission then went through all of these cia documents and created a, a report the rockefeller commission report but people have also said there's been evidence that the cia and gerald ford at the time went through the report and redacted things and took them out oh, so I'm even sure that did. wasn't a full report and it was a huge deal that the olson family was called to the white house and met gerald ford and he apologized to them because the obviously like i said you never want to apologize that basically is sure. admitting fault mm -hmm. but in this case it was in black and white that they drugged this man to insanity and like they said feller jumped it, do it doesn't necessarily mean he was drugged he was driven to a deep depression that said you must end your life he could have been drugged and thought i'm at the ocean and i'm going to jump off the sure. pier and go swimming you just don't know what he was going through but it warped his mind so much or he didn't jump at all what frank's family had always been suspicious of foul play and in 1994, decided to have his body exhumed and a second autopsy performed in hopes of finally getting some answers. This autopsy found injuries on Frank's body that appeared to have occurred before he fell to his death, including a blow to his skull. This new discovery confirmed his family's suspicions and sparked conspiracy theories that Frank had been assassinated by the CIA. Just a warning, the Wormwood documentary absolutely shows a photograph of Frank Olson's corpse at the time of the second autopsy. It Trigger is, warning. Yeah, it is significantly decomposed. Obviously, it's been decades. Mm -hmm. But they did talk about at the time of his death that he was brought home in a casket, not to their house, but brought back to their hometown in a casket. And when his family went to go and basically see him, I guess, 
they were told they couldn't open the casket because the damage to him was so bad because obviously falling sure. from 13 stories. So his son describes it as his dad disappeared. He says, my dad never – I never felt like my dad died. I felt like he just disappeared because he left to go to New York on this trip and he said, I never saw him again. <sighs> he said, I didn't – it's not like, oh, and then I saw him in the casket yeah. and I had closure. He said, I never saw him again. Exactly. And then at that autopsy, he's – kind of looking at him and saying yeah wow wow you know, oh so he oh there he was there for the oh he went and saw the body well, this guy's a brave man his that the, you know what good sometimes you have to do something like that for closure and the whole documentary at no point do you ever not side with his son his son oh, is sure. a complete victim and his figure. yeah and has really tried to to use it for good and use it for therapeutic purposes for others good for him in addition to prisoners, prostitutes, and mental patients, several celebrities of sorts fell victim to MKUltra. Ken Kesey, author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, was a graduate student at Stanford and training for the 1960 Olympics when he became involved in the study almost by accident. His neighbor had agreed to participate, but had to back out at the last minute, so Kesey agreed to take his spot. Oh, that's just a twist of fate. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the, the thin line between yourself yep. and safety. We talk about that all the time. Acclaimed beat writer and poet Allen Ginsberg tried to convince Kesey that he was participating in a CIA-funded experiment. But Kesey didn't believe him, and it wasn't until decades later that he learned what the true intent of the experiment had been. According to Kesey, The testing wasn't being done to try to cure insane people, which is what we thought. It was being done to try to make people insane, to weaken people, and to be able to put them under the control of the interrogators. That's my beat poet voice. I love it. Ironically, the drugs Kesey was given during MKUltra launched him into becoming one of the icons of the counterculture of the 1960s, and psychedelics became a way for him to expand his mind and enhance his creativity. Can you imagine you're just some dipshit Stanford student, and you think, well, maybe I'll write a book, I don't know, and the government says, here's a bunch of drugs. He had never done any drugs. Oh my he had never even tasted alcohol. They made a, they and took then a teetotaler. You get... You get CIA grade LSD is your first experience with this. Nothing will ever live up to Hell that. no. Ever again. No, he said uh, nothing ever lived up to what I got from the government. Oh, my God. In addition to Ken Kesey, another celebrity from the counterculture, Robert Hunter, the lyricist for The Grateful Dead, responsible for such classics as Uncle John's Band and Box of Rain, which happens to be my favorite Grateful Dead song. Oh, nice was also unaware until years later that the experiments he'd agreed to participate in had been part of MKUltra. Hunter said, I couldn't figure out why they were paying me to take these psychedelics. What they wanted to do was check if I was more hypnotizable when I was on them. It was hard to pay attention to what the hell they were talking about, much less be hypnotized. Yeah, it's my Grateful Dead voice. Yeah, I love it. The, both these have been very spot on. Here's what's insane to me. You haven't ever done acid. Me? Or just one hasn't done acid? You haven't. Me personally? No. Correct. I, okay, so I I have done acid. What? At no point in any time I've done it was I thinking, you know what? I could be really mind controlled right now. You're, I mean, you're not in that 
state where you can be controlled by something. It's the complete opposite. You're completely paranoid and freaking out and your mind's all over the oh, really? place. I've never been on acid and I've never been around anyone that's on acid, but I imagine it would they would be a pain in the ass. Like I'm it sure. Would be, you have to babysit them. They're probably annoying. They're like, do you see the starfish on the wall? Right. And you say, no, I don't see the starfish on the wall. Shut up, please, and go to bed. But I, <laughs> you, I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about it wrong. But I think the CIA was a little misguided. In I don't think to use that LSD. they were using the right drug for mind control purposes. They mm-hmm. needed something that was going to, I don't like a downer or something where you yeah. can like subdue someone more. I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't know. Something that produces hallucinations and just paranoia isn't the way you're going to mind control someone. And what's also crazy and ironic is they were doing this to protect the American people and try and use it against our enemies. But what they really did was just fuel the sixties and seventies of being this like (laughs) love drug fest because they introduced LSD, which then became the huge drug of the 60s super popular yes i mean they created this counterculture So the cia is responsible for the grateful dead they are they're i mean they're hugely responsible for a part of the hippie movement and it's just very ironic how that all played out james joseph whitey bulger an infamous boston mobster was serving time in an atlanta prison in 1957 when he was offered a lighter sentence if he agreed to participate in what he thought was a study to find a cure for schizophrenia. Over the course of 18 months, Whitey and seven other inmates were taken to the prison basement and injected with extremely high doses of LSD. Whitey said that his experiences were so awful he fell into a deep depression and had suicidal thoughts. He and the other victims saw blood coming out of the walls, Prisoners that would turn into skeletons and a camera that changed into the head of a dog. Oh, God. He said that two of the men became psychotic and had to be pried loose from under their beds while they growled and foamed at the mouth. This is not things, the stuff that you should be given a lot of. No, and it's also, how many experiments do you need to see to be able to determine, oh, okay, we've lost control. (laughs) We do not have control of these people's minds we cannot reprogram them with this type of drug. Yeah, I don't know at what point someone's foaming at the mouth or barking like a dog that you say, got him, finally. <laughs> Shut it down, guys. We did it. Success. It was so horrendous that Whitey compared the doctor overseeing the experiment, Dr. Carl Pfeiffer, to Joseph Mengele. When he would beg Dr. Pfeiffer to let him quit, he was told, please, you're my best subject and we're so close to finding a cure. Whitey Bulger later on went to become a fugitive, and there was a huge manhunt for him, and he was on the run for a long time, and the FBI caught him. Well, you know what? Kind of good for him. He, he he was an FBI informant. He hid money all over the place and then used it to escape the FBI. And after I, his brain had been fried. I, I can mean, imagine if you've been experimented on like a guinea pig in prison, you'd probably be like, you know what? Fuck the man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, hey, Whitey, we, so. will you stick around and we can be an informant and we, and we won't arrest you, but please don't run off. You'd be like, yeah, sure. Sure, uh, sure, buddy. Probably the most infamous person that could have been a victim of MKUltra is Ted Kaczynski, also known as the Unabomber. He's been described as the most brilliant serial killer the world has ever seen. Highly intelligent, Kaczynski began attending Harvard at just 16 years old. He's a regular Doogie Howser. Mm-hmm. 
His sophomore year, he began participating in an experiment led by psychology professor Henry Murray that would last for the next three years. Kaczynski and the other subjects were told they would be debating personal philosophy with a fellow student and were asked to write essays detailing their personal beliefs and aspirations. It was in these essays that Kaczynski began to share his ideas about the evils of technology. The essays were then turned over to an anonymous attorney who in a later session would confront and belittle the subject using the content of the essays as ammunition. Whoa. As this was happening, electrodes monitored the subject's physiological reactions while a video camera documented it all. The tapes were later repeatedly played back to the subjects, forcing them to watch their expressions of anger and rage over and over again. I'm not victim blaming Ted Kaczynski. However, at what point Mm -hmm. in a college study do you just say, "Uh, nah, I'm all right. I'm going to go now. Yeah. It's been fun. I think that they all asked to leave and were gaslighted into various reasons of why they can't quit just this tricked them or they yes. pressured him. That's mm-hmm. true. Man, what a job for that lawyer, though. They just have him, hey, a, a teenager wrote this essay. Just tear it apart. Have you seen the, I believe it was it Netflix or Hulu that did the docu, well, it wasn't a docu, it was just a drama about Ted Kaczynski. Oh, no, I haven't watched that. Oh, it's very good. We gotta do a Unabomber episode. Oh, definitely. He 100% was a genius he was also a psychopath but they show in the in the show this happening and it is pretty intense and there's just a room of men smoking cigarettes watching these kids being tortured essentially and just taking notes kind of laughing not a big deal god over the course of three years kaczynski was verbally abused and humiliated each week for a total of 200 hours. Years later, he would move to Montana, isolate himself in a cabin with no electricity or running water, and begin sending bombs in the mail to targeted scientists, professors, and airline officials. Kaczynski's lawyers later attributed his hostility towards mind control techniques inflicted on him during his participation in Murray's study. Well, I can't imagine you could blame him for being mad. Probably not the best way to deal with your anger with explosive devices. But he was tortured repeatedly by scientists and professors. Um, One could postulate that that would cause you to hate scientists and professors. Some believe that Murray's experiments were part of MKUltra and may have motivated Kaczynski to become the Unabomber. If those experiments had never been performed on him, could three lives and 23 victims have been saved? That's a good point. At what point does the responsibility stop, like where the the buck stops with Ted Kaczynski because he did that? Or could you argue that but for those experiments done on Ted Kaczynski at Harvard, he wouldn't have snapped? Exactly. Or would he have snapped because of something else later? Someone steals his parking spot while he's trying to go to lunch at Zoe's Kitchen like I was the other day and oh, someone God. pulled in. And she makes you so mad. Heather's getting loud. <laughs> it makes you so mad. But that's a great I question, though. I mean, it's though. very true. Is someone destined, was Ted Kaczynski destined to be the Unabomber? Mm-hmm. Or what if he hadn't gone to college at 16? Yeah. Or what if he hadn't gone to Harvard? What if he had just gone to a nice state school and well, stayed he, close to I mother? I believe he was given a full ride to Harvard. All right, take it. I mean, give him, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he did have some controversial and out there beliefs prior to this. 
But could this have been the tipping point? They zap his brain yeah. enough, it'll make him, yeah. Exactly. Who knows? That's the, the whole point. And that's of this, the whole point is we won't know. Well, and the whole point of MKUltra is you cannot track the – you can't extrapolate the effects nope. of MKUltra because it was so widespread. And it was done covertly mm-hmm. and it was done without – really any sort of documentation not well they did not take good notes on purpose they burned a whole bunch of the documents destroyed them all in a mysterious warehouse fire they did accidentally leave twenty thousand documents Mm -hmm. in the financial records which they did not burn and that's how a lot of the documents were found yes so how did all this come to an end well in 1974 seymour hirsch a journalist for the new york times published a story that shined a spotlight on MKUltra and how the CIA had been illegally drugging and spying on U.S. citizens. Sometimes it just takes one good journalist to stand up. Americans were already extremely distrustful of the U.S. government because of the recent Watergate scandal. So in an effort to be more transparent and regain the American people's trust, President Ford formed the United States President's Commission on CIA Activities, led by Vice President Nelson Rockefeller to investigate any illegal behavior. Well, Nelson Rockefeller is, some would argue, in the Illuminati. <laughs> yes, his whole family, his, I believe. rich Rockefeller it. family. Information obtained by the Rockefeller Commission, as well as the Church Committee, a larger investigation that was launched to look into the abuses of the CIA, FBI, and other U.S. intelligence agencies, uncovered 20,000 documents confirming the CIA planned and attempted to develop psychological, biological, and mechanical weapons to create sleeper agents. The problem that you get into with FOIA, which is the Freedom of Information Act that exists now, that did not exist back then, or journalists digging things up, or these committees created by Congress, is the question of to what extent do we want these things to be made public if, in fact, they are being used to develop defense techniques that the u.s could use sure. to protect us so we don't want our enemies knowing correct. what we're doing we we deserve to know everything but the people also still deserve exactly to know what's we being deserve to know everything okay yeah on one hand but on the other hand what if we know everything so does the other exactly. side and guess what we don't know anything that they're doing you know right. and, and absent counter surveillance techniques but that's a very good point because that again sheeple just goes to show you <laughs> The government's only going to show you what they don't care if the enemy also knows, That's which is true. very little information. So the the American people know very little about what our government actually does. Well, and if you're Gerald Ford, you're kind of screwed because you just had the Watergate scandal, which for those of you who don't know is where President Nixon illegally wiretapped. And we'll do a whole episode on it. But basically, yeah, that would be a good one. the president totally just broke the law and was doing things as un- they do under the table. Yeah. And as as they say, got into a helicopter and flew away. He resigned. So Gerald Ford's <laughs> coming up behind him saying, I want to be transparent. I don't want to – I'm not a criminal. I'm not sneaky. I'm happy to meet with this victim's family. I'm happy to apologize to them. Happy to release all these documents. Hang on. Wait a minute. Let me look at that and just redact a few yeah. pages, which is allegedly what happened with the Rockefeller report was that they, it was much longer. But William Colby and Gerald Ford went through and redacted some um, items. Sure they did. Well, these findings resulted in President Ford's 1976 executive order on CIA activities that prohibited, quote, experimentation with drugs on human subjects, except with the informed consent in writing and witnessed by a disinterested party of each human subject. Well, that just kind of ruins all the fun. (laughs) 
In the 1980s, nine victims and their families brought a class action lawsuit against the CIA seeking a $1 million settlement. They ended up receiving just over $80,000 each. Man. That's, and even if they had gotten a million dollars, it's who not cares? close to compensation. No. I mean, that is that is their lives and their loved ones' lives. You, the, the personality, the person you are that you come into this world as, someone intentionally fucked that up. Destroyed your brain. And, and what makes you you? was taken from you well here's a question what makes you you is your consciousness right in theory yes my question is what happens when your consciousness is altered and that's a new version of you was that the version of you that was supposed to exist all along well or were you derailed whole, i mean you should question. be you should be i think allowed to determine what happens to you but that's not always true you know you there's accidents there's people you meet or people that you don't meet i don't know this I is think getting very esoteric into, and if you believe in fate and if you are in control of your own destiny or if everything happens for a reason after the netflix series wormwood aired wormwood's hard to say after the netflix series wormwood you aired, can't say wormwood. I, that is a very say that it's like the rural juror wormwood 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 wormwood, wormwood. wormwood. Well, after it aired, interest in MKUltra was reignited and victims and their families began to once again seek restitution from the government. In 1992, the Canadian government announced they would provide compensation to the families of 77 victims from the hospital that we spoke about. Sadly, many never saw a dime because they were considered not damaged enough. They also probably didn't see a dime because they don't have dimes in Canada. They have loonies Whoa. and doonies. <laughs> what? Are they really called loonies and doonies? Absolutely. The loonie is like a one dollar, a one Canadian dollar coin and a doonie is a two That's Canadian That's so dollar much coin. more fun than pennies and nickels and Yes, dimes. and it's very easy and convenient to have a doonie. But the Canadian government that's a hard question to ask of at what point are you damaged enough to d get a pile exactly. of who, doonies. Who determines how damaged one is and if it's enough to warrant compensation <laughs> and an duties. apology or whatever. Yeah, God. A group of families in Quebec are seeking reparations from the Canadian government, provincial government, and even McGill University. While they are seeking damages, they are also asking for a public apology, saying that the government publicly acknowledging what they did to these unwitting citizens would mean far more than a hushed settlement. I mean, it's a good point is that mm -hmm. you have this university that's still going, that's yep. still doing, I'm sure, scientific experiments, although not this type. But you have these families that were horribly damaged and no one coming forward and saying, yes, you're right. That's what the Frank Olson's family said when the article came out, that they finally felt vindicated, yeah. justified in their feelings, that something just wasn't right. The son talks about how the Frank's wife, his mom, wouldn't acknowledge really what happened and and the son would ask questions and she would say we've already talked about this we've already talked about this so to an extent for these families having public recognition even if they're not mcgill university the chancellor or whoever's in charge now is not the one that was hiring dr cameron back then but saying we understand that this happened to you you're not crazy you are right even exactly. without compensation means a ton. Saying I'm sorry in any situation. It goes a long way, you guys. It goes a really long way. It's a simple thing that you can do that really starts a healing process, regardless if it's a tiff you're having with a loved one or 
your loved one was drugged by the government and their lives were forever changed. You want changed. the government to say they're sorry. Mm-hmm. As Elton John said, sorry seems to be the hardest word. <laughs> oh. I love Elton John. I love Elton John so much. I really wish I could have gone to that concert. That concert was uh, dope. Yeah. Gosh. Well, despite MK Ultra being publicly shut down by the government, there are many conspiracy theorists that believe it still exists. Some believe MKUltra is being used to control celebrities such as Beyonce, Britney Spears, Shia LaBeouf, Miley Cyrus, Marilyn Monroe, Kanye West, Al Roker, and about a million more. Literally anyone that's famous, you can Literally. find any video of them being a weirdo spaz and somebody has edited it together with weird music behind it. They play the Windows uh, restart sound. <laughs> When they, have you, never, you not seen the edit, the remixes? I haven't seen the one with the windows. Oh, sound. it's so good. I have. I did go down a massive rabbit hole last night. Just go to YouTube and just type in MK Ultra celebrity glitches, and I'll put a link. Just, we'll put some links. Yeah, in the show. and just clear a few hours. Because I took my they lunch. Are really fun. My lunch break. I took it at my desk today because uh, I needed to do a little bit more research for the show. And so I was eating my snap kitchen meal and watching these glitch videos. And my coworker comes around the corner. Not my favorite coworker. Just a lovely, delightful coworker. And he stopped <laughs> and said, "Do you uh, do you have a minute?" And I had to say, "I'm uh, uh, yes, <laughs> no, I don't. I'm on my lunch break. Could you leave?" <laughs> Wow. Please leave me with this video of Beyonce at the Brooklyn Nets game looking like – I think she looks like she has she, – I've looked like that after three or four vodka mm-hmm. tonics. Yeah. Or maybe you She's just zone out. Any of these glitches that we're talking about. So what – Let's describe this glitch. Okay. The, which one? Okay. So the Beyonce all these, one? Any of them. All these glitch videos are usually someone, a reporter, a celebrity, a singer doing a th- normal thing. They're – or they're waiting to be on camera and a moment happens where they either completely freeze. Like in the Al Roker video, he's laughing, he's talking, he's joking around. And out of nowhere, his face goes completely blank. His eyes kind of bug out and he just stares a thousand yard stare through the camera. Like a statue. Like a statue. And then the same with the – there's one of Lady Gaga where she's trying to get into a van. I think she's doing a bit. But she's walking out and they're yelling at her. And when they're yelling at her, she's twitching. Her eyes are bu- bugged out. She's kind of looking left to right. Anybody who thinks that she's not doing some sort of performance art is just a friggin' idiot because yeah. that's just how she is. It's there. There's one of Britney Spears giving an interview and Diane with, Sawyer with said, Diane Sawyer, you yeah. had a very tough year, didn't you? It was very sad. And Britney Spears goes, yeah, I, uh, it was, it was so, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sad. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not a glitch. That's a lady. She crying. does. She does. Before she starts crying, she does this weird thing where she goes, oh, ooh, what? And makes these like weird noises and starts looking around. She's also just kind of fucking weird. But what conspiracy theorists say is that there are trigger words that cause these celebrities to switch personalities because they've been drugged and they have these dual personalities so they can be controlled by the government. And Christy Christy has a tinfoil hat this episode. (laughs) For example, in the Al Roker video, the reporter that is with him says the words just in passing holy ghost and that's when his face goes blank and he tense and he glitches so the the conspiracy theorists would say oh holy ghost is a trigger word for him that they programmed him with this word so if they say that they immediately have control over him well in some situations that word's just going to be said 
it's like your safe word yeah. <laughs> just gets uttered and it causes them to glitch out and freak out. Well, my question is, why wouldn't they pick a way, way, way more obscure safe word, mm-hmm. especially if the celebrity is going to be in the public eye? Of course, there's a chance someone will say holy ghost to Al Roker on yeah. television. Like easily, it's Samantha, I can't, whatever her name is, the not Katie Couric, the lady that replaced Katie Couric. Savannah Guthrie. She just says, oh, haha, save, like talking about dancing. And she said, oh, save room for the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And then Al Roker's face just totally drops. You, please go. We'll put a link watch in the show notes. And then let us know what you think. And they also say that they will text celebrities. And by they, I mean the government or the Illuminati will text celebrities with these words in during the middle of an interview or something to have immediate control over them. So it's a whole rabbit hole you can go down. I never really did find why, though. Why MK Ultra would want to dr- make is, celebrities? Is it for because one of the big reasons it started back in the the fifties was they thought, oh, we can program people to be able to have mind control and then politically assassinate someone or or do our bidding for us and do acts that we wouldn't want to do that they'll have no memory of and the Manchurian candidate thing. So what well, is their goal? They just want to fuck with them? Well, I don't know if it's helpful to have people in a position of power and with a lot of influence be able to say things that you wanted to oh, say. that's true. For okay. instance, some people think Kanye West was programmed to say that he liked Donald Trump, that well, he's a victim of it. And you know what? I, I hope that he was because – I can't be on board with him right now, and I really like his music. Well, and if I found out he was programmed, then maybe I could justify you being a fan him. again. Yeah. Or maybe his people put that, like his camp, put that rumor out so that made him look better. <laughs> like, but like no, 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 you, he doesn't really love Donald Trump. He's under the influence of MK Ultra. Well, like you said, you think sometimes they're doing a bit. I think that about a lot of these celebrities that they know. For example, Beyonce knows that there's this whole conspiracy theory that she's programmed by MK Ultra. So maybe she knows if the camera's on her, she's going to pull a little prank, they, you know, and just do the something. The one where Katy Perry passes out on stage, I think that's her acting. I think She that was, admitted it was her, yeah. and whether she'd been programmed to say that or not, she Can't later came him. out and said, this was all part of my act. Well, season two of Stranger Things, they talk about MKUltra, and that's part of their the mm-hmm. plot. And some people believe, folks are saying, <laughs> with the Illuminati and the One World Government, they do these things where they put out movies or television shows of things that they're actually doing behind the scenes to give you as the American public a taste for what's going on and think, Oh, well that's, that's bad, but it's not so bad. It's basically ways to desensitize you Mm. from being horrified at these things. So the Duffer brothers, who knows, maybe they're Illuminati agents and they have been the whole time. Interesting. Very interesting. So what do we think? Well, absolutely. I think Britney Spears is a government robot that's here to save us all. <laughs> no. Here to save us all? No, I, th- I think, well, definitely, here's the thing, you guys, because we didn't, we focused more on the actual MK Ultra, on what has been proven through journalistic research, admissions in congressional testimony, and all of the recovered CIA documentation. So at the end of the day, when you hear MK Ultra, it sounds like a wacky conspiracy. It's a real genuine thing. It's a thing, 100% a real thing a that has A real happened. government thing that happened. However, it's then been taken and extrapolated by folks online saying, oh, watch Kylie Jenner get confused and mess up her words. She must be an MK Ultra agent. <laughs> or she's just a Kardashian. And then I think at the end of the day, we should trust the government completely and 
I'm hang on. I'm having a glitch. Oh God, there's glitching out. <laughs> I'm an MK Ultra agent. I wish somebody would try to control my mind. Good luck, buddy. Mm, same. Good luck with what's Good luck up there. Your little paws around this old brain. Have you ever seen the Michael Jackson music video where it's like inside of his brain and he's on a roller coaster and it's like a circus? No, but that's my brain. Exactly. All I watched the time. it. I was like, mm-hmm, same. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I feel that. Good luck. So I think it's, I mean, it definitely happened, first of all. It's yeah. unequivocally happened. There's, there's no debate. And that especially it happened. if you watched Wormwood and you see the effect that it, real effect it had on these people and their families, whether it is continuing to this day, I'm sure in some form the U.S. government is using our phones or low radio emissions frequencies. frequencies to try to make you crazy through your microwave or your phone who the thing is who knows and we won't know until 20 years later and a when very this is why we need journalists this is why we need the more whistleblowers whistleblowers the more journalists you see getting laid, laid off from you know, the huffington post or whatever it's horrifying because journalists buzzfeed these are going to be the people that save us because that's the people that have saved us in watergate and with revealing mk ultra mm-hmm. and all of these other things so probably something similar to mk ultra is absolutely going on right i 100 percent think that there i mean i think it would be naive to think that it wasn't yeah the government i'm from the government and i'm here to help you yeah i mean and our government does a ton of stuff atrocities every day is yes i mean I'm not saying 9-11 was a government job, Good but God. just saying there are people that say say that it is and watch loose change and then you're going to feel real crazy because they make some good points. But you don't want to believe that your government could be capable of doing something like that. But they are. Well, and I think the problem is you get bits and pieces. Even with MK Ultra, we only have 20,000 of doc- documents when surely there were 10 times that oh, amount. Yeah. And so you – or 9-11 or whatever, or the current state of the, the experimentation on humans and, and subjects by the intelligence agencies or spying on our phones by the NSA. There's so much going on. There's only so much publicly available evidence. So then what you have is folks like – arguably us. However, I think a lot of times we just say, here's the facts. What do we think? But there's a lot of people online on YouTube or on blogs or other podcasts or whatever that want to take these piecemeal chunks of information and mash them together into a Frankenstein narrative and say, oh, look, I can prove to you that the government did 9-11 because of these four pieces of evidence. And yeah, I kind of had to link them together. And yeah, maybe I sort of took some liberty. You know, it's we have enough information to make us all dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ooh, I like that. I know. Well, it's a hot take. It is. I mean, it you is did. A- you came into my home fired up tonight, though. You were like, <laughs> "Fuck the government!" I was like, "Oh I my did. god!" I did immediately say, "Fuck the government." When she said, I walked she started saying, "Drain the swamp." I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but it's. I think that is why, absolutely, why journalists are important, and transparency, 100%. and Twitter, and whistleblowers, all that stuff's important, mm-hmm. and podcasts. Holla. We are saving America. You I mean, guys. we're not hurting them, I don't think. So Hopefully that's not. Good. Hopefully not. You got any shout outs? I do. I have a shout out for Carrie, who listens due to Elise and Philly. It was a recommendation. Oh, yes. Former employees of uh, Entertainment Cruises. And she was talking about sharing our stories with her family, only the more appropriate versions of our stories. So thanks for listening and thanks for sending messages. Also, thanks for everybody who sent us DMs on Instagram recently. We had like a huge influx of DMs on Instagram and all of our mentions. We also want to thank everybody on Twitter, Facebook, and on BuzzFeed who submitted us to the BuzzFeed podcast list. I think that's 
going to come out in the next week or so. So Ooh, we will fingers crossed, see you guys. if that, if our, all of your efforts bore fruit. But even if not, we just really, really, really appreciate you taking the time to do that, sending them emails and making comments on their page. Absolutely. Also, and shout out to my friend Emily in Nashville who makes really killer paper crowns on Etsy. Paper what? It's like these crowns. Yeah, crown. C R O W N S, not C R A. What? How do you spell crayon? We're from Texas, y'all. How do you say crayon? Or how do I say it? Yeah, crayon. You say see crayon. Some people say crowns. Yes, they do. But if you go to the Happy Ginger Co, she has an Instagram feed, and then on Etsy, it's called the Happy Ginger Co. But she listens, lifelong friend, and she also recommended us on that. And she makes very cool paper awesome. crowns for like bachelor watching parties or Valentine's Day or any oh, of that. Oh, that's fun. That's yeah, they're fun. really really cool. Very cool. Well, something else that's cool, if you want to see us in our troupe, The Cult, that performs improv comedy, we have a show Saturday, February 2nd at 9 p.m. at Dallas Comedy House. Tickets can be found at the link in our bio on Instagram or on our website. They are cheaper if you buy in advance than at the door, so I would recommend buying in advance. Also, the 9 p.m. shows tend to sell out, so... Get them while you can. And we've already had a couple people on Instagram say they're going to be there. And we would love to meet you guys and hang out with you at the bar after. Have a drink. Yeah. Super shout out also to the Dallas Murderinos Facebook page on Facebook because that's where Facebook pages are. <laughs> Facebook group. They have just been really supportive of the people uh, recommending the show and then talking about doing meetups. So absolutely, please come out and say hello. This is the first Sunday of the month. So it's the Dallas Psychic Fair. Woo! And I'm going to meet a couple of people out there. I'll probably get there around 1.30. So we'll put some information about that in our Instagram and on our website. Nice. And yeah, I have a show after the cult show. So I'll hang out for about 30 minutes and then I have another show. But then I'll hang out after my other show. But I'll hang out before the show, too. So much hanging out. I'm basically always at DCH. <laughs> well, the best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. And tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us, and it really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. And ideally, you'll take their phone and subscribe for them right in front Just of them. Just do it right It there. works every time. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod, and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at on the internet? I am on the internet many places, but <laughs> primarily on Twitter at Christy or GTFO. And on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. I still what love about I, you? I love that your Twitter handle I made up. You did? I love that. Yeah. It, it gave it as a suggestion on I, Facebook. I had a contest on Facebook and Delica. Heather won. Real, the real winner is our friendship. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at Heather vs. The World. You can find me on Twitter at MCK vs. The World or go to Heather vs. The World.com and I'll also have links to our shows and tickets. Yes. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister Hood